Let's go to the word of the Lord. Would you stand with me and honor the word? I know what I'm supposed to preach. This assignment was given to me by God. Um, and I, I kind of just found it a while ago and I began to build it. We're dismissing the kids at this time. Thank you, kids. Life are doing an amazing job. Hallelujah. But um, Simon today is going to be talking about trusting God a little bit. And um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is a very simple message. If you came for academia and if you came for something else, let me just apologize ahead of time. That's not what this message is all about. This message is about encouraging you to trust in God when everything is noisy around you, when your fears are loud, when the emotions are loud, when the world is deafening, amen, and when the lies out there are great and have much volume, you cannot counter that by just getting louder yourself. There is a way to counter that in the, in the word, and that is to turn up the volume of your trust, amen. So we're going to talk about turn up your trust today. And I believe the word of the Lord is going to help us. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. How many have this memorized, this verse memorized? Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And everybody said amen. Lord, add a blessing to the word in Jesus' name, hearing and receiving it in Jesus' name. If I said amen, you can be seated. Hallelujah. Our world is full of static noise that's paralyzing and debilitating for some and a nuisance for others. Amen. We are living in a day where the lies are the loudest and the truth seems to be whispered. And there are people that are now standing up and becoming truth warriors to change the landscape of not only the digital locations of all these lies, but also the places where people hear these things trying to counteract the volume at which the world has turned up their positions and their ideologies. And does somebody agree with that in this room? How many are seeing that in this room? It's interesting to me as I begin to watch, how many like football? Anybody like football? Can I take a carnal moment? College football has started, and I was watching some football yesterday and watching some of these rookies get on the field and play. And, and, and some of these rookies, they get into the NFL, and when they get into the NFL, there's a surprising an unexpected, I would say, uh, trouble that happens with moving from college football to the NFL, and that is the volume is deafening inside the stadiums. The decibel level will literally shake a quarterback that was good in college. He'll lose his ability to be a playmaker in the NFL, not only because of the level of, of those that are coming against him, but it's also because of just the sheer volume inside the stadiums. Of course, now they've put things in the helmets for them to hear better, but it used to be that you only had sign language and what you had learned before you got on the field. So when rookies come into the NFL, they have to be coached on how to handle the decibel of the 
the fan noise because it is so loud in the stadium, stadium that they literally cannot think at times and it can impede their focus and their vision to see plays open up on the field. And I want you to know that the devil is one who understands sound. He is the original music creator in heaven. The light of the throne would hit him and and go out, and he would take sound and create light out of it. He literally was an angel, an archangel, that wanted to go from the position of making beautiful music in heaven to the point of being light like God. Amen? He wanted to be that northern star. He wanted to be the one who had the light of, of all those, uh, those things he saw in God, but he was not a, a being that was self-created. He was created by God who was light. Amen, somebody? And so we understand that he is a very capable and very skilled at using noise to move emotion and using volume to deafen the things he wants to quiet. And I, I want you to know that in this age where the spirit of the Antichrist is very strong, there is an enemy of our soul that has turned up the volume on everything in this world. And it seems the loudest voices are not only those that are lies, but those that are literally speaking anti-truth. Amen, somebody. Families and homes and children are under attack. I'm going to preach for a minute. Just let me get a long runway. So much of what we're seeing, so much of what we're fighting are not just the lies and the deafening uh, situations of turned against God culture, but the programming and the grooming and the entire ideologies that are worse than lies. It is anti-truth, brothers and sisters. It is against God. It is pushed by an anti-Christ spirit. So we have come into the house of God today to lift up our voice and to lift up our song and to create a joyful noise unto the Lord. Why? Not because we know that it's just us making noise. Not because we know that it's just encouraging to our own spirit, but we are countering the voice and the volume of the enemy in this world and in our lives. So we can either be overcome by the world's delusional decibels, or we can pump up the things that God has chosen to give us for encouragement. The decibels that they pump into culture and to commentary are not of God, and we can turn our trust up in this place, and we can get our eyes on Jesus and we can lift our voice in praise and we can counter the voice of the enemy and we can be a light in a pitch black night. Somebody said amen. I'm done looking at the world. We can either recognize that it is no surprise to God and trust him with where we are right now, or we can cave to the lies bombarding the people and the church. I, for one, am not looking at the world or its tattered garments of fame and fortune. I am looking to Jesus Christ, the author, brothers and sisters, and the finisher of our faith. 
he's going to do something that we've never seen before in these last days. And I'm believing him for it with all my heart. I'm not on a low trust. I'm not on a mid trust. I'm putting myself on alert for high trust in Jesus Christ. I'm turning up my trust because when you're in situations where the volume is loud from the world, you need to take your trust to another level. Somebody said amen. Luke 18, 35-43, blind Bartimaeus, was tr- they tried to stop him and silence him from crying out for Jesus. I do know the story well. I've read it and the two accords that, and two accounts that happened in the scripture, Luke 18 and Matthew 20. But if you give me the Luke 18 account, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. This is what he tended to do. In fact, scholars say that he would take off his coat. He would lay it on the road as a way to keep those that were tossing. This is only some scholars, not all of them, but some scholars believe that he would lay his coat out on the road like this. And then he would put his basket inside the coat. And it was a way to keep those that were throwing donations from getting into the dust and the dirt of Jericho's road. That he literally used his coat to make his living as a tool. His coat, his garment was a tool for who he was and what he did. Amen. And so when you get to this situation, you understand that he's hearing a multitude passing by. He asked what it meant. Who, what's going on? I'm hearing things. Maybe he thought more. More coins were going to land. Maybe he thought he was going to get more people to give, but more, more often he was an expert in crowds and he knew there was something important going on. And so blind Bartimaeus, he, he's trying to figure out what's going on and he says, what's, so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. I want you to know that Jesus would have passed by him had he not cried out. Jesus would have kept walking because there's plenty of need that day in Jericho. There's plenty of people to be healed, plenty of people to be set free. But some people that get their deliverance are not because they're so deserving of it, but because their faith is so deafening and they're willing to turn up their trust so much that they won't let anything keep them from getting to Jesus. Can I preach to anybody in this place? Have you ever been a place in a place where someone said, you don't need all that, you don't have to do all that, it's not necessary for you to act like that, live like that, or walk like that with Christ. And you say, maybe that's okay for you. Maybe that's good for you. But I understand that Jesus is passing by and he honors faith and not need. And I'm going to shout even the louder, amen. He said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. He honored his heritage by saying, we believe that the Messiah is gonna come and he's going to be the son of David. He honored him by calling him and saying, please have mercy upon me. You have the ability to have mercy upon me, Jesus. And in this world, we have to call out in a crowd who seems to be misunderstanding where we are in the world today. I want you to know that Jesus is still in the crowd.
crowd. Jesus is still in the middle of all that noise and all that mess that's out there. Jesus is still walking around. And if we'll get up spirit, I believe that the church is in a blind Bartimaeus moment where we need to wake up and we need to open our eyes. And it's not us looking at the world, but it's us looking for Jesus in the world, looking for Jesus to move in their midst, asking God, would you show mercy on them? Would you be faithful? Would you be the Messiah in their life, thou son of David, calling out for not just ourselves, but for others? And so when they heard him, then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. Please, shut up. You're messing up a good thing. But he cried all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so then they encouraged him. The next verse, he was like, I'm going to cry even the louder. So Jesus did what? What did Jesus do? He stood still. I wonder if maybe we're missing God moments because the church is too busy looking for the donations and the things that the world can give. I wonder if we're too busy standing on the sidelines, just listening to all the noise in the crowd and not recognizing that if we call on Jesus, he will stop where he is at and he will meet us where we are. Amen. I wonder if maybe, maybe he wouldn't just tell us that he's going to come near us but he's going to call us to him because the truth of the word of God is anytime Jesus went to somebody in scripture, he healed them. But anytime somebody went to Jesus, he made them whole. If you understand what I'm preaching to you right now, you've got to hear me. When your faith is enough to leave where you've been and go to Jesus, to leave the religious establishment that you grew up in and go to Jesus, to leave what you've known all your life as a blind man and go to Jesus, when you get there, he will make you whole. Not just miracles, not just signs and wonders, but he will make people whole if we can just learn how to get to Jesus. When the church calls, we need to take people to Jesus. We need to get them and show them, not just waiting on Jesus to show up, but literally go to him. And so he left what he was. He didn't just walk away, though. And pick up his jacket and say, okay, clean off the dust from Jericho's road and I'm ready. Let's go. I, I want my miracle. He didn't take his jacket along with him. The scripture literally says that when they encouraged him, that Jesus had stood still and was waiting for him, that he left his coat. And when he had come near, he asked him, go to the next verse for me saying, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Did he have his sight when he left his place of begging? Did he have his sight when he was leaving his livelihood? He was leaving something he knew, and he was going to Jesus. But he had enough faith to believe that when I get to Jesus, he's going to make me whole. 
My life is going to be different from this point on. I won't need that tattered garment, that garment that I put out every day to collect my living. I won't need that garment every day that tells everybody that I'm a, I'm a blind man and I'm always going to be a blind man. I don't need that garment anymore that says I'm not only a blind man, but I'm a blind beggar and I'm always going to be a blind beggar. Maybe people would recognize that coat because they'd walk by and they'd toss coins onto that coat. And if he was carrying that coat or walking around with that coat, they go, I remember when I gave him that blessing. I remember when I did those things for him. And he said, you know what? I don't need what man can do for me anymore. I don't need what people can do for me. I don't need people's approval anymore of their blessings. I'm going to leave that hall laying down because when I get to Jesus, everything is going to change. It's a picture of several things in this particular lesson. Number one, do not let anybody silence your voice or dampen your enthusiasm when you're chasing after Jesus. Don't let anybody get in the way of you and Jesus. Number two, your relationship with Jesus Christ is personal. It touched every single part of his life. Some people don't want to change because it's too easy to stay the same. And really, the only thing that changes some people is pain. If you get enough pain in your life, you will change where you are because it's, it's less pain to become something different than it is to stay where you are right now. And number two, number three, obstacles will be put in your way. Be ready to cast them aside. He could have stayed where he was. He could have probably kept going with his life, but he laid it down. One of my favorite passages of scriptures in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, we are encouraged to lay down everything that is a weight against us, every obstacle and everything that will block us from God. Like blind Bartimaeus, we have to make a decision to pursue God even when things get in our way. I, I wonder if maybe we'll turn up our trust today. And when you do that, the volume of the world gets so much less. You don't have to worry about what's going on in different places of the world when you're not pumping yourself full of the news and pumping yourself full of all the opinions. Whenever you turn up your trust in God, you'll get up in the morning and you'll open your Bible and not go to the news channel first. You'll start to have devotions and spend time with Jesus and you'll find peace is in your life greater than you ever imagined because you know he's going to wrap this whole thing up, brothers and sisters. He's going to have dominion and power and glory at the end and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe that someday we will see what God has been up to, and if we will be the ones calling on the Lord in faith and saying, thou son of David, have mercy upon us, that God will show us one day what we did in the middle of the crowd. We, we literally will stop God in his tracks, and he will call us to do great things. But when Jesus stopped, so did the crowd. Don't pay attention to the crowd. Don't listen to group think or what atheists have created as ideologies against the existence of God, get to Jesus. Is this okay today? Get to Jesus. Because Jesus has what can change your life.
I'm so grateful I'm in a church that still offers an experience to people. Not a come shake a preacher's hand, not take a wafer and wine, but you are literally offered the experience of the power of the Holy Ghost in this place today. And every time you walk into this place, every moment you desire it, when you call on Jesus, you can be filled with his spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for an experience of the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for repentance. I'm thankful for baptism in Jesus' name because every time I slip up, I say, Lord, please remember that baptism. I know your name's on my life and your blood's covering me. Put it under the blood, and I can walk with a clear conscience from that moment on. Whether I did it, whether I attempted, whether I slipped, whether I meant to, whether it was, whether it was uh, something that I, I, I'm struggling with, all of those things can go back under the blood because I was buried in the name of Jesus. I'm so thankful for an experience in the house of God still. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I can meet the Lord every single moment when I call on the name of Jesus. And that the name of Jesus, chains break open. And that the name of Jesus, things are released that I cannot let go of. And things are released that that are a hold on me that I can't get away from. There was a pastor. I was walking a campus, university campus. And he was, he came to like the, the, the square where all the students passed by, and there was a professor there, and the professor was giving a very academia style of discourse on why God does not exist, why God is not anything more than a creation of man's religious mind and emotionalism. And so he was giving this very professional, basically orient, orata- oratory presentation And everyone around there was quiet. Nobody was challenging him. He went on for 30 minutes with all of his ideologies about why there is no God and how you cannot see him. And if God really cared, why wouldn't he show up? And if there's all this need, why doesn't he love us enough to handle the need? And he's given all of these reasons why there is no God. And then he got done. He said, does anyone want to challenge this? And everybody was quiet. He had presented so many angles of no God that they didn't know where to start. And this old 60-year-old preacher stepped forward. And he just slowly walked up in his big trench coat. It was fall, and it wasn't fake fall. You know what fake fall is? It's where it's, it's cold in the morning, but it gets warm in the afternoon. You have to take off all the sweaters and stuff you put on midday. That's fake fall. This was real fall. And... He has his lunch bag, just a crumpled brown bag, and he reaches in and he pulls out an apple and he starts to eat the apple. And he's looking at the professor and he, well, that's good. And the professor said, do you have something to say? Do you have something to share to enlighten us about your God? And he says, yeah. Takes another bite of the apple. And he said, I've heard everything that you've said about there being no God. He goes, I happen to believe in God. I've walked with him for 48 years, when I met him, he changed my life. He said, but I have one question for you with all of your degrees and your education. He said, I wonder if you can tell me, as smart as you are, takes another bite of the apple, he says, can you tell me whether this apple is sweet or sour? Can you tell me if it's sweet or tart? He put 
the apple back in the bag, and the professor says, of course not. I can't tell you unless I taste it. And he said, of course. He goes, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Until you taste of him, you will never know what it's like to know him. Until you experience him, you have to taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalms 34, 8. In fact, David in the King James said, oh, taste and see. That oh means something. It's not just him going into a thought. It's not him going, oh, by the way, if you taste Jesus, you'll know that he is good. He was saying, oh, oh, taste, see. He's got emotion in it. He's, he's saying, do you not understand that man will always lean away from God until they taste and see that God is good? It may not seem good right now. It may not seem like everything in the word of God is coming true in your life right now, but it will. If you keep putting it in your heart, if you keep living for it, you keep holding on to the word. I know there's a pool another direction. I know your doubt wants to drag you away from the truth of God's word, but if you hold on to it long enough, David is saying you will see that he is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord Jehovah is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Regardless of what the world says about there being no God, I know there is a God. Because he met me this morning and he talks to me during the day. And when I'm overwhelmed, I can build myself up on my most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. You go ahead and you look at scripture. There's a difference in praying in your known tongue and praying in the Holy Ghost. There is a gift of the Holy Ghost that is given to you and a language from heaven. And it will encourage your spirit because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you pray in the perfect will of God. You're not praying amiss. You're praying spirit to God's spirit. Amen. Maybe you'll only hear what I'm saying today about trust in the Lord with all your heart. And you'll be like, but pastor, I do. But how do I choose between two good things? I mean, I, I can see trust in the Lord and believe his word. But what if, you know, against bad things, against walking away from sins in my life and being in that middle place where I'm trusting in God, but I'm still dealing with the after effects or consequences of a life lived before him. I, I know and I understand that it's better to trust in God. But what if I'm in between two places? And I, I heard a preacher, famous preacher, preaching about this. It, be careful, uh, some of you young ministers, be careful when you have your sermon done on Saturday night and you go watch YouTube videos with preaching. It'll show up in your sermon on Sunday. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like it's all good stuff. But what if you're going between giving extra to God and putting some in a college fund for your kids? What if you're going between two good things and you feel stretched? Jesus said, unless you come after me, unless you deny yourself and come after me and take up your cross and follow me, 
what was he saying? He said, your life is going to live just like I did. You're going to feel pulled your whole life between heaven and earth. You're going to be filled, feel pulled between things that are good and maybe things that are better. You're going to constantly live a life that's stretched. You're going to feel like you're in the middle place, like Jesus was on that cross, the middle man between heaven and earth. But as you're walking, understand that the word of God can give you peace. Maybe you only hear the noise of the society, of the crowds, but I hear Jesus walking in their midst today. And I, for one, will not be silenced. I'm not only going to lift my voice and praise him, but whenever it gets to the point where you have to meet in some places like in China where they have to take several trains and take a bus and go down in a basement and they have to put their hand over their mouth when they feel the Holy Ghost and they want to speak in tongues or when they want to shout out. They're not allowed to do that because it's still communism. They're still ruled by those things. And, and so they have to sneak their way to church and they have to be quiet in service. But even in those moments when we can't bring volume against the volume, we can turn up our trust in Christ Jesus and and we can walk away from the things we were still, that there are people that still get filled with the Holy Ghost, even in silence meetings, brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful thing. Brother Nichols, I remember walking in to General Conference with Brother Nichols from Russia, and he went over to Russia, and they were meeting at this time in, in secret places, and they put mattresses and things on the walls and things on the ceiling to keep the sound out so they could just speak in tongues quietly, and they could just worship quietly. And Brother Nichols Nichols was on the platform with the resident or, or the local, the, 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 the missionary that was there, and he heard a woman over here, and she began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, and, and he heard her, and she was going, praise God, glorify, glorify you, Lord. You are great. You are holy. Hallelujah. And he goes, wow. He leans over to the national missionary, and he goes, wow, that woman right there, she speaks pretty good English. And he goes, she doesn't know a lick of English. The only language she knows is Russian. She's speaking in tongues. For her, her tongues was English. Amen. And so even though you have places where you cannot bring volume, God will still meet you there if you turn up the trust, brothers and sisters. If you will cry out to God in your trust and in your hope in him, I believe that that is the mission of the church. I will turn up my trust in a deafening world. I know Jesus literally healed him. I know Jesus literally brought eyes that we're not seeing to eyes that we're seeing. But I wonder if there is a church that is still crying out for healing and virtue to flow in this day. I wonder if anyone's still desperate for a move of God in this day to encounter the siren or to counter the sirens of Satan in our society with the volume of your trust in God. Could it be that there is those so deceived in this last day that they are blinded to the truth and God needs to do a different kind of opening of eyes? Could it be that there are some children that have been so told you need a double mastectomy because you are a boy stuck in a girl's body entirely confused by the noisy lies of this world that Jesus needs to wrap his arms around that poor little child and heal them again? Could it be that 
that the people in our day whose sight is so skewed that they need Jesus to step in and open their eyes again. We still need the blinded eyes open. We still need the deaf to hear. And maybe if we stop listening to the volume at a crazy level in this world, we can turn up our trust and turn up our prayer and turn up our resolve and God can save those who need him. He can save whosoever will. Jesus will not pass by. He will stop and he will answer. I'm hearing a lot of non-denominational preachers now online in different places telling their congregations that we have what, what we've been preaching, Brother Steve, all of our lives. Literally, this is the sentence I heard. If you are not reaching for souls, you are not right with God. We've been talking Bible studies, and we've been talking sharing Jesus all of our life. We've been preaching it for so many years. The Great Commission literally says go. It initiates the church to go and make disciples of all men. And God did not ask his disciples when he sent them out to do so and carry the gospel and to take healing into the cities. He did not commission them and ask them how they felt about it. He said, you're going to go, and you're going to do this, and I'm going to give you power over the enemy, and I'm going to give you power over the demons, and I'm going to give you power over sickness. I'm praying that when we come to our revival next week, that we all come with a mind that we're going to pray healing over our city, that we're going to pray a gospel over our city, that the gospel still works in the people of God. When we begin to make disciples, and if they don't receive it, Go be a light anyways. He said, shake off the dust off your feet and say that town's, that town is a, a town that did not receive it. He said, when they would not receive your voice, still be a light. The thing that I love about being a light, that Jesus puts his light in us, is that it changes the environment that we're in. And Christians are called to change the environments they walk in. Not to be influenced but to be an influencer. Hallelujah. What I love about sound and light, I began to study and I got down the rabbit hole, Brother Mike. It's good to see you today. Love Brother Mike Buchholz. We love your family. So glad you're here today, my friend. I love you so much. He usually gives me a word. You guys don't know this, but on Sundays, he usually gives me a word that I got to try to work into my sermon. <laughs> The last one he gave me was Snapple. So I had to go, oh, Snapple, two Sundays ago. You remember that? He's at fault for that. That's his fault. <laughs> I love him to death, but I want you to know that he's a light in his world too. Everyone has a light, whether it's bright or it's dim. Turn to somebody and say, it's go time. It's go time. It doesn't matter how loud the world gets, the spirit of the Antichrist gets, we can, when we turn up our trust, we turn up our light in this world. Amen? I like to put on my Jesus noise cancellation headphones sometimes and just go be a light. I like to drown out the world's volume just by being a light because sound cannot stop light. That's the awesome thing about the message today is no matter how loud the world gets, they cannot stop light. You can understand that 
Sound can create light. Now, I don't want to get too off in physics. Lord, help me. I got to finish the sermon. Um, I want to tell you that when we are the light of the world, it doesn't matter how loud the world gets. They cannot stop us from shining. Amen? Jesus went to the cross amid a noisy world. They were yelling, crucify him. And they could not stop the work of the light of the world. He didn't even need to speak to change the physical calendar and the spiritual destination of a planet. Do you understand that? All he had to be was the light. And their noise could not stop his light. Because he was the word and he was the light. Amen? We are called to change the world with that same word and light that is now in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I still believe, I still believe that you can turn to your neighbor and you can ask them, do they know Jesus? And God can use you to say the right words and be a light in their life no matter who your neighbor is. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, turn up. It means something different in this world, doesn't it? There's a bad song. It says, turn down for what? Well, I want you to know, sorry for the reference, but we're going to turn up the light. We're not going to turn up the volume. We're going to turn up the light in the church of the living God. We need to turn the light up. We need to have a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party doesn't stop. Amen? It's going to take us right on to heaven. We need to see miracles, signs, and wonders, but we don't pursue those. They follow those who are light and or who are those that are walking with God. We are going to turn up the trust of our faith in him. God shines light through us. Amen. The scripture tells us that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. I'm so grateful that I know that he said, if you take my word and you apply it to your own life, it'll help you affect other lives. Amen. He has promised in his word to be the light unto our path. He is saying light up your way first then by making sure you are walking in the light of the word it always it, al it always will affect those around you it, it's always going to make an impact in a dark world he's guiding your steps and those that you walk near you will change because they'll see your light and want to know about your God And pretty soon, brothers and sisters, we're going to be looking at a world that is in complete darkness as it gets darker and as it gets darker and as it gets darker. My pastor used to say, Brother Kylie, his brother, the darker the night, you could finish it, couldn't you? The brighter the light. And they're going to help me bring the lights down today as I go into this altar call. Because I want you to know that as we get into a dark world, if you're watching online, it's going to get dark for a minute. We're not going away, I promise. That we have to begin to encourage our heart to trust in the Lord, not to be moved by the things we see. That's what the scripture means that I open with. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't let your emotions get wrapped up in the world. The church isn't going to get louder. It's going to get brighter. And when we individually turn up our trust, we become the light of the world. Jesus said, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hid. 
He said, you are the light of the world. And so as it gets dark, as the last few lights of true truth are received in our society, make the screens black if you would. As it gets dark, we're the only light left in the world. The church of the living God, before it's raptured out of here, is going to be the brightest point. Would you stand with me today? Would you get your phones out if you can find it? And would you put it on flashlight for me? The word literally says the light can still be bright even in a noisy world. Their volume cannot stop light. But as there's some friends coming forward with their flashlight, would you get yours out? And on Sundays, we're doing this. We're praising him. Hold your, your, your flashlight up and just see how beautiful that is. It's praising it. We're all together. We're like, oh, man, that looks amazing. That looks awesome. But when it comes to Monday and Tuesday, he said, put your phone down to your feet. He said, I'm going to be a light into your path. He said, you're the light of the world, and, and, and in order to be the light of the world, I have to let you know that I didn't promise you that I was going to give you this every single Sunday. I didn't promise that I was going to give you excitement and a whole crowd around you jumping and shouting for Jesus. I didn't promise you that you wouldn't be alone sometimes. I didn't promise you that you would lift your light and go, I want to praise him and look around and nobody is joining you. But nobody at your work understands the light you shine. He said, I promise you this, though, that I'll give you your next step. I'll give you a brightness on your feet. I'll give you the path you should walk. He says, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I wonder today if you would understand with me that in order to light the earth, we have to commit to lighting what's in front of us. We have to light the earth before us. We have to walk in the word ourselves before we can change the world. And I'm asking somebody here today as I close this sermon with this simple illustration. Would you commit to letting the word be your guide? I'm not trying to be emotional right now. I just want you to know that when you get near people who are letting the lamp be a light into their feet, notice how it got brighter. When we come together and we shine our lights, Oh, I love these moments. I love going to Youth Congress and having 35,000 people shining their light. There's nothing like it. When I come home and they don't have the same professional bands, they don't have the same quality of, of the, the surroundings, and, and there's not 50, 50 people standing right near you getting all excited. I've got to do this. I've got to keep walking in the light. I wonder if there's someone who would come forward to this altar like these ladies have and you make a commitment today. Just put
put your phone down towards your feet and say, Jesus, I'll just walk in the light. I don't know why we are where we are. I don't know why the world's getting darker, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to the light you gave me. I'm going to stay in your word. I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good. Even when others don't want you, Jesus, I'm going to hold on. Would you take your flashlight and would you come down to this altar right now? Everyone that has one, would you come and join these ladies that help me with my illustration? Would you turn your flashlight on and just put it down toward the floor? And would you begin to pray, Jesus, I'm going to let your word live in my life. I'm going to let your word be what I walk on. I'm going to let your word be what changes me. I'm going to continue to be a light in the world. I'm going to be a light in the earth by lighting the earth in front of me. Come on, everybody. Anybody that has one, come on down here. If you have a flashlight, come on down. And let's join in together. Let's get closer. Come all the way into the middle. Come on, let's get close. Start to make your light blend with somebody else's light. Come on, come and help me. Let's leave that light off just a little bit longer. Put your flashlight on your feet and make it blend with somebody else's. Look what's happening. The room's lighting up as we join in unity. As we join together, it gets brighter because we're getting closer to each other. As I bring the lights up, I want to tell you there's nothing like walking with God. But there's nothing like walking in his word. Would you bow your heads with me and pray, Jesus, in this noisy world, help these folks that are here today turn up their trust in you. Turn up their belief that you can make a difference. And I know sometimes you whisper in a very loud world, Jesus, but the reason why you whisper is because you never needed volume to do what you did. And we don't need volume to change the world. We just need this example of light to our feet. And as we walk, we share the light with others. Help us to give somebody their first step toward you, Jesus. Help us to go make disciples, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. All we got to do is show them their next step, not, not the future, not the, not the brilliance of glory, but sometimes we just need to show them their next step. Jesus, help us, because the light always conquers the sound. I pray in Jesus' name. You are the light of the world. Make these people in this room a light for you. As we commit to walking in your word, may you light up this world through us as we place our trust in you. Make this light shine brighter, we pray. And everybody say in Jesus' name. We're leaving here. We're not making a huge altar call. We're making a commitment this moment. And I want this commitment to be real, that you are going to speak to somebody, that you're going to shine your light to somebody in these next few weeks. That going into revival, you're going to take your light out and you're going to show somebody they should be at revival. They should come with you to service. Invite somebody, whether they come or not. 
get into their atmosphere and shine a light and say, let me show you the steps to get to the house of God. Let me show you the place where God changes people. This is what we are. As the world gets darker, the church gets brighter. Somebody said amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Would you give somebody a hug that's near you if it's appropriate? Would you just tell them to be a light this week? Would you encourage them? And would you thank the Lord for all that we've heard today? Jesus, you change everything.